Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. No duh, right? Here we discuss everything from car news, culture, movies, stories, games, interviews, events, and so much more. Without further delay, on with the show. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to another Viper Week podcast episode. Today, we're going to be reading an article from Popular Mechanics regarding the 2013 SRT Viper and the thoughts of its designer, Ralph Giswell, one of the one of the main designers, we'll say, because he wasn't the only designer. The article was written on May 3rd, 2012 by a one Andrew Adele Cole. Let's start. As expected, the 2013 SRT Viper stole the spotlight at this year's New York International Auto Show. Along with a new badge and 640 horsepower V10, the much-anticipated supercar features a modern and more functional take on its iconic shape, which dates back to 1992. We spoke with Ralph Gilles, SRT President, CEO, and Senior Vice President of Design at Chrysler, and designer of the Chrysler 300, about the Viper's new look. Let's begin. Let's start at the front of the car and move to the back. Can you talk a little bit about the hood and the lights? Then Ralph Gilles replied, I'm a big believer that vehicles have faces. The Viper's eyes have been kind of these horizontal slits for a long time, with multiple headlamp projectors in them. This time around, we went to a single projector and literally styled the eyes of the car around the eyes of a snake and made them a little bit more vertically oriented. Well, a lot bit more vertically oriented. With a little hood over the projector. If you look very closely, it's almost like the two LEDs and then the sentence gets weird so they just cut to a completely different thought. So sorry if it sounds weird, but it's almost like the two LEDs and then cut. The upper is a turn signal. The lower is the daytime running lights. They almost appear to be pupils in a way. Then Popular Mechanics asked, And what about that mouth? Ralph replied, We actually started off with having a grill. We had SRT's version of the crosshair because it started off as being a Dodge. When we decided to make it an SRT, we got rid of the classic Dodge crosshair and made it black on purpose to kind of make it secondary. Editors note, while GM has shed brands, Chrysler is adding them. It peeled off Ram as its standalone truck mark, and now SRT, short for Street and Racing Technology, will be its high-performance brand. We used to have a grill texture in there that we had to get rid of for maximum cooling. The opening is about as big as we can make it before it gets too big visually. The lower opening and the side vents allow air to pass into the wheel well and back out. This releases some pressure in that area for aero. We learned a lot with our Dodge SRT4 ACR. The ACR came with a loose splitter that was attached to the bottom of the front fascia. This time we tried to style the lower front fascia to be as splitter-like as we could to create the maximum amount of downforce in the front. The new car has quite a bit of downforce built into it. Those things make up the front of the vehicle. The publication then asked again, Can you talk a little bit about the essential air intake on the hood? It's a defining characteristic of the Viper. Ralph then replied, The intake has become a beautiful cue to the car and has been, has been part of the Viper heritage for a very long time. Though, actually not since the beginning because the original RT10 didn't have an air intake on the hood. No Nakaduck, no nothing. It was a smooth hood. Save for the little vents near the cowl. Right from the very beginning, we had a central air intake. Well, not the very, very beginning, but since the SR2, yes. And it's always been functional. In this case, we've really tuned the shape. I mean, it's gone from being marginally functional to extremely functional with this one. Now it has very deep draw that gets maximum airflow to the engine. That's one of the things that I love so much about the Viper and really wish we saw in more cars of its type, more sports cars, certainly more supercars certainly more FMR supercars primarily, 
I wish we saw more Nakaduck style front air intakes like that that we see on the Viper. Because from what I remember, the Ferrari California, the 08, that had a similar arrangement, but it was kind of meh. But the Ferrari 550 and 575 Marinello, those are the two cars, two, two Ferraris primarily, that have the biggest front, biggest Viper style front air intake that I can think of. And to me, th those are, that's very nearly my favorite modern Ferrari. This side of the 458 Italia and the F12 Berlinetta. But again, I wish we saw, I wish more sports cars and supercars had that detail in the hood. Even, honestly, even if it wasn't functional, because I find it to be a gorgeous detail to add into the hood. And it adds drama. It really does. You know, like when some people have that curly, the, the curly bang over their forehead. It's to me, it's it's sort of like that. It's just the Viper makes it work so so incredibly well. The execution is astounding, even when it comes to the Gen Two, which was kind of plopped in, you know, kind of a plopped in Nakaduck, but it worked for me. Then you had the Gen Three, which, which had a bigger, but compared to the Gen Four and Five, a more subtle hood scoop, which still worked. Then the Gen Four had a squared off and bigger intake, and then the Gen Five has my favorite of all of them. Which is back to that Nakaduck shape, but still bigger than the Gen 4 and the 3 and pretty much all the previous Vipers. I, I love, I just love how deep it is. It adds so much shape to the Nakaduck. And I really, again, I really wish more cars had it. It's such, as they say, it is such a defining feature of the car. It's probably one of my favorite bits uh, of all Vipers, except for the Gen 1, where, or of the SR1, where it's obviously and noticeably absent. I digress, though. Popular Mechanics then asked, What about those scoops on each side of the intake? Ralph replied, We call them exhausters on either side, and they're the result of lessons learned from our Comp Coupe racing vipers. We found that by actually angling it kind of parallel to the airflow path that goes through the radiator module, or very close to being parallel, it actually relieves a lot of pressure and hot air from behind the radiator. This increases top speed a little bit decreases pressure buildup on the nose of the car, and also improves cooling. We styled the scoop so that the hot air actually goes around the windshield and not into the passenger co passenger compartment if the windows are open. That's kind of cool, you know, because we... Remember about the, the Mark V Super and how there's apparently wind noise? Th that car has a wind noise problem? I'm not sure that SRT's efforts to push the air over the windshield and not into the passenger compartment helps with wind noise, but I find that to be a, it's not a big detail, but I find that to be a little interesting because they could have just been like, nah, you know, it doesn't matter. But I imagine them designing the air to go over the windshield and not into the passenger compartment helps with keeping the hot air from entering the passenger compartment. Moving on, the publication then asked, the way they make the hood undulate gives it a great shape. Well, that's more of a statement than a question, but whatever. Ralph then replied, because of the way the Viper engine is set very low and very far back, we were able to really exaggerate that shape of the hood quite a bit. It has a beautiful hood bulge. It's not your classic hood bulge that's kind of grotesque and sits on top of the hood. This, in this one, it kind of melts into the hood. I don't want the car to look like Dolph Lundgren or Schwarzenegger with his shirt off. Hopefully I got the first name right. It has muscles, but you discover the shapes versus them screaming at you. It's every bit as bodacious as it's ever been, but it's more sophisticated in the way it goes about doing it. And that, Ralph, is 100% bang on about. The Viper is as muscular and, as he says, bodacious as ever, but now it has an elegance to it that we haven't really seen in previous Vipers. Maybe, maybe since the SR1, though, 
perhaps it's a little incorrect to call it elegant and more so compared to the Gen 5, maybe sedated. I don't want to use that word, but, but what I'm getting at what I'm getting at is there wasn't there weren't as many design elements, there weren't as many creases and bulges and character lines on the Gen 1. So it, it could be seen as more elegant because it doesn't have as many artfully artfully integrated or artistically integrated muscles into the body. But in any case, he's 100% right. This it's not that it's not muscular, it's not that it's not outrageous. It's just that it's it's elegantly outrageous. That's probably the best way of describing the Gen 5. It is elegantly outrageous. And that's a beautiful combination. That is that is a glorious combination. Popular mechanics then said. The windshield the windshield, it's the same break in everything, correct? Ralph replied with a simple answer. It's the only actual carryover part of the old car that hasn't really been touched. The publication then said. Is that just the way it worked out, or did you build the cabin around the windshield? Ralph replied. It's just the way it worked. It's because the overall silhouette of the car remained the same. The number one thing about the Viper is it's what we call a cab rearward proportion. It has a distinctive far back proportion cab with a very, very long nose. A nose kind of a... No, with a very, very long nose. Kind of a lunging forward nose. This allows the car to be a front mid-engine car, where even the engine is in the... Where even though the engine is in the front, it sits so far back behind the front wheels, it actually gives the car a 50-50 weight distribution. Then they move on to my second favorite part in, in the Viper design mythos, shall we say. They said, another classic feature is that side gill. That side gill! Ralph said, we wanted to preserve the side gill. Obviously that's from the 96 Viper. Well, really even the 92 because it was present there and present all the way even till now. We've kind of played with the side gill over the years. The super gill is unmistakably a Viper Q. The gill that we have today is actually the deepest we is the deepest one we've ever done, and it's 100% functional. The past it was only it was kind it was mostly decorative. It's almost two and a half times as wide as it's ever been, and it's all about getting the pressure and heat out of the engine bay for stability and cooling. Sort of reminds me of the F12 Berlinetta, where you had those channels in the hood and they would go around the fenders and then up. And they'd go below and then curve back up on the doors like a character line. Kind of reminds me of that, except for the F12, it, was, it wasn't, as far as I remember, it wasn't for cooling. That was for downforce. That was for stability. But hey, if this gill also adds a bit of stability, then it's a semi-similar idea. I digress, though. Popular Mechanics then said, A lot of these design cues seem to hark back to the 96, right? Ralph replied. Yeah, I grew up kind of loving that car. That car was in clay when I came to Chrysler. I was like, oh my god, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen! And it has timeless proportions. There are certain things about that car. I always joke that it's like a human body. It has these appealing shapes that are always going to be appealing. I don't care if it's 100 years from now or 200 years from now. These curvaceous shapes are just ever appealing. We wanted to take some of that essence and make it more modern, so the whole car is not such a cartoon. The 96 has some very exaggerated proportions, where the hood and the body were almost disconnected. In this case, they're much more holistic. The front fender lunges all the way to the mirror, and then continues and kind of blends into the door and the bottom of the window. Popular Mechanics then said, What about the vent on the side window? Is it functional, and how does it work into the overall design? Ralph replied, It's actually a differential cooler, though... Depending on, there's actually, yes and no. For some cars with the routing, it was a differential cooler. And then for some cars, it was actually a brake cooler, like in the ACR, 
where if I remember correctly, you can get like a you can get like an outlet that channels that air to the brakes. There's a there's an article I need to do need to do about that because yes, it's a differential cooler and no, it's a differential cooler. It's there there's a little bit of not not controversy, but it's kind of a yes and no question uh, yes and no answer. Yes, it is, and no, it isn't. But I'll talk about that later when I make that article and then make a podcast episode specifically about that. But I digress. People are calling them brake coolers, but it's a duct right behind the windows that feeds air to the differential. The differential on a performance car actually gets pretty hot, almost, in fact, almost hotter than any other part of the car because it's working so hard. So we actually have air going to that area of the car right from the side ducts there. The brakes don't really generate that much heat in the back, so it's really more the differential. They also help modernize and lengthen the canopy of the vehicle. Popular, popular mechanics then stated, This Viper's cabin definitely looks longer. Ralph replied, The Viper has always had a very small daylight graphic, window area or greenhouse. This time we elongated it and tapered it so it looks like the side window is lunging forward. Everything was designed around velocity. Everything looks like it, it's kind of wind-sheared. The rear window is designed to be on the top so it doesn't wrap around the corners anymore. This allows some body color and through the roof to the base of the deck lid, really elongating the canopy. The door and the sill are both aluminum. The hood, roof, and rear are made of carbon fiber. If you ask anyone in the stamping business, aluminum is an evil material to stamp. It just doesn't want to do anything that organic. But the super foaming proce process and new technology that we're using only on Viper kind of preheats the aluminum. We hope to use that elsewhere, but we're very proud that you can get that much shape out of stamped aluminum parts. Popular Mechanics then noted, the rear of the vehicle with that visible carbon fiber is quite striking. Ralph, I imagine enthusiastically replied, yeah, we had a lot of fun with that. The rear of the car is probably one of the most critical parts in terms of styling. It's one of my favorite parts of the car. Supercars are naturally very wide and low cars, but we were looking for elements that would exaggerate that even more. If you look at the way the back end wraps around, we exaggerate the width by cutting into the side slightly. And by organizing it in this carbon fiber silhouette, it gives a brand new graphic for us. The, uh, the applique, as they would call it. So you know how on, on, SRT, on SRT Vipers, the applique, or we'll call it the, what would it be, the cover, the face, we'll say, the face of the rear. It's, uh, it's typically body color, and then on GTSs, it's either black, black or carbon fiber. That's what he talks about when he's talking about the graphic. Moving on. We've always had the two tail lights on two tail lamps, sorry, on either side, but we use very modern tail lamps captured in this carbon fiber. We actually clinicked this with some of our owners, and that detail was polarizing. Some of them loved it, thought it was the coolest thing, and others were like, "What did you do?" I personally love it as carbon fiber. Can you talk a bit about the diffuser and rear exhaust ducts? That's what Popular Mechanics said. Here, coming up, is Ralph's reply. Right underneath the tail lamps, there are also these exhauster ducts that takes a little pressure off, off from under the, the wheel wells. There's a lot of pressure built up in there. As much as my designers wanted to style the diffuser, it's a huge contributor to the downforce of the back of the car. I'm very proud of it. It looks sculpted, but it's 100% functional. We have integrated backup lamps kind of hidden in there near the bottom, sort of like on a C6 Corvette, right, right down in a similar area. We also, for the first time, have side view reflectors that are hidden in the wheel arches. It would have made the tail lamp a lot bulkier if we had to integrate them into the tail lamp. Same with the rear, rearward facing reflectors. So we separated those elements out and kind of integrated them. 
That allowed the tail lamp to be its own thing. The tail lamp is really kind of a pure statement without all these other doodads in there. Popular Mechanics then stated, and of course, you kept the double bubble roof. Ralph then said, yep, but we raised it. We made it even more functional and a little more contemporary. It's just a little more geometric in its execution. We added a new detail on the roof that goes into the rear window now. This kind of accent detail elongates the roof that little bit. Popular Mechanics then asked, is there anything people should know about the rear window? Ralph replied, that little tab that extends off the, off the roof accentuates the double bubble. But really, it's trying to minimize the appearance of the rear window. That allows the wheel arches to really breathe. Since we also made the rear window narrower, those two rear wheel wheel arches are more prominent. And we exaggerated the arches as well. They bulge because, to me, that's really where the power comes from. The rear wheels. Popular Mechanics then said, Yeah, you can definitely tell the rear window is smaller when you get on, when you get in, get on it inside. I had a chance to sit in it, and from the inside, visibility is... And then Ralph then replied, I imagined that little bit hastily. We added a standard backup camera, so if anyone is complaining about it, just use the camera. But my feeling is, when you see the car on the freeway, or people are driving behind it, they'll just be taken away by this incredibly wide, sexy proportions. I wanted every single line to blend into everything else. Kruger, Scott Kruger, exterior design manager, Trussell... Mark Trossel, head of SRT Design, and myself, we all debated the design so much, and I've never sweated a car this much in my life. We really wanted every millimeter to have a reason for being. So it almost looks like an organic thing that you found that hatched out of an egg and became the car, and became the car. It wasn't assembled by men, he laughs. Popular Mechanics then said, Switching to the upgraded interior for a second, I understand a lot of time was went, went into the steering wheel. Ralph then said, I must have driven Tomei, Tomei Jovanovsky, interior design manager, crazy on the steering wheel. We just went through sections and sections and sections. We got all these different steering wheels from Audi R8s to Ferraris to Volkswagen GTIs to aftermarket racing wheels and all these different wheels. We just kind of held them all. One of the favorites was actually the 500 Abarth, which we loved a lot. We kind of took the best of all the steering wheels we felt and integrated it into integrated it all into one wheel and went our own direction after that. I think people will just talk about it after they spend time in the car. When they meet when they meet at their car clubs, they'll just be talking about the steering wheel. That's the kind of level of detail we were after. We also shrunk the wheel down in diameter and added the flat bottom. You'll see that in a lot of race cars for Niru. In most race cars, especially with quick steering, you don't turn the wheel more than a quarter turn either way in 90% of the situations. Popular Mechanics then asked, This is kind of like asking a mother which of her favorite children is which of her favorite children is her favorite, but would you say you are the proudest of this car out of all the cars you've designed? Ralph then replied, Absolutely! And that was the goal. Like I said, I joined the company because of this car. I was involved in the 2003 version. I did some of the interior. I managed the coupe program, but I, but it wasn't mine from scratch. So it was always a dream to be able to sink our teeth into it. The team I had on this all had the same feelings. We all wanted to have a crack at doing the ultimate Viper. And I think if we didn't, then we'd die trying. We really put everything we've got into this car. And I think from a design standpoint, it really, really shows. The Gen 5 to me was the most extreme, the most beautiful, the most, I guess, complete Viper that we had seen ever. It had... 
It had a gorgeous exterior, but an interior to match. 640 horsepower, 3,300 and a bit pounds, a 206 mile per hour top speed. It really was, and honestly, I feel still is the ultimate Viper they've made. At the very least, have made so far. What a gorgeous, gorgeous car. And those of you who know me know it's my favorite Viper generation. I feel it combines the best of all Viper generations into one. It really, for, for a factory Viper, it's the ultimate Viper by far. It's such a gorgeous, I just, I can't stop looking at the Gen 5. I went to a car meet actually really, really recently because at the time I'm recording this, I still needed photos for Gen 3 and 4 Vipers. And they had a few Gen 5, they had three Gen 5 Vipers at the car meet I went to. There was two owner cars and then one that was being sold by the dealer. And I can't tell you how hard it is. I can't tell you guys how hard it is for me to pull myself away from when I see a Gen 5. I just want to stay there for hours and hours and hours taking photos. I, I could stay, I could stand there just mulling over the details all day. It's, I adore the Gen 5. It's, I think it's one of the best looking cars ever made. 100% and easily in my top 10. Easily top 5 for me. I'm a bit biased, but still. Like, Lexus LFA, this, a few other cars, yeah. This this would be in my top 5. It's To me, it's the best celebration of what made... It's the best modern celebration of what made all the 60 sports cars we love so, so exquisite. Yet, it's still, it still is its own thing. I could go on about this for hours though, but I am going to end this episode of Viper Week off here today. I hope you all enjoyed. Let me let me know what you think of the Gen 5 Viper's design in the comments below. I hope you all enjoyed. If you did, please make sure to like the episode, share the episode, and follow the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, please make sure to like, comment, share, and consider subscribing. If you do subscribe, thank you very much. Please make sure you hit the little notification bell and then all notifications. That way you're notified every time I upload. If you want to listen to this podcast on the road, but you don't have one the Podbean mobile app, hey, not a problem. Boot up wherever you get your podcast before you set off. Type in code, it's car conundrum, and then choose the episode you want to listen to. I will see you all next time. You've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars, if I'm being honest. If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at Cody Carr, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full-throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.